of the Midlands? Love. Encore with Claire O'Brien. Arts and entertainment for the Midlands. And you're very welcome this evening to Encore on Midlands 103. And every Thursday night, we bring you the best of what's happening in the arts in Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Tonight, it's really all about Athlone. Athlone is at the heart of the country and at the heart of the show because the Little Theatre are getting ready to take to the stage with two one-act plays. My God, are they excited to be rehearsing again. And as we speak, three choruses uh, of young young people from primary school all the way up to leaving cert age and an adult cast are getting ready for their second night of panto at the Dean Crow Theatre and they, the audiences are gathering in the Dean Crow Theatre and there's all the excitement that's happening backstage with all of those young people and the great cast and I'll be chatting to um, some of the people in Athlone tonight. Earlier on, I chatted to three members of the Dean Crow Panto cast and they are just so fantastically enthusiastic about what they are doing and the buzz that they got from the audience. You'll really enjoy listening to them. And you'll also, I think, enjoy listening to hearing about uh, just the fun of Panto all over again because uh, a lot of us missed it in this part of the country. Um, tonight on the programme also we'll have a little bit of music and the music we're going to play is going to start tonight with Sean Kane because he is performing in the Dunamase Theatre on uh, on the weekend and he's performing there I think it is on Sunday night I'll check that for you exactly he is because on Saturday night as you'll know if you were listening to the programme last week um, Brandon the Galley and Gina Borum are presenting their show and it is called um Walls talk, and certainly Brendan Brandon, one of the most passionate speakers we've ever had on the program, really so incredibly enthusiastic about the power of dance, and indeed somebody who had his own career as one of the the first dancers on River Dance, and who was taking to the stage in the Eurovision while the rest of us were glued to our televisions watching the birth of a phenomenon. But as I say, Sean Kane is on stage on Saturday night with his show and we're going to start the programme tonight with a piece of music from Sean Kane and it is called Blackbird on the Wire on Encore on Midlands 103. He has some voice, doesn't he? That is Sean Kane, who's performing in Port Leash at the Dunmace Theatre on Sunday night. 083 30 10 103 if you want to get in touch with the programme this evening. And of course, Encore at Midlands103.com if you want to get in touch at any stage at all. I'm always delighted to hear from you. Um, listening to that song and to the beginning of it, those first lines where he talks about how the sweetness is all gone and he sings that in such that, such a wonderful, sweet sound. Um, it reminds me of quite a few years ago taking a trip um, with a concerned debating team, would you believe, to um, Humanity House, which has since closed down in The Hague. And it was... Um, a really extraordinary exhibition uh, taking you through the life of um, a refugee from the moment when the air raid sirens went off and they, the warning came to evacuate your house. You actually went through a house, through all the different stages to 
being interrogated to going into a room where there's a mirror that you can't see a reflection in because uh, you don't exist as a refugee and upstairs in the room they also had an exhibition of uh, talks I suppose presentations recordings of people who had had a variety of different experiences and one of them was a man who had been a child soldier in Liberia and as an adult he was talking about how he had escaped one country to end up in another and to really have the most awful awful experiences um and he talked about the things that he did in, in, in his home, first of all, before he was taken as a child soldier um, and, and what it was like for him having come as a refugee in the first place to enjoy things and to be with the family and to, you know, to, to have a birthday party and to do small things. Uh, and there was a moment in the, in the presentation where he says, but those beautiful things escape, I would say. And it's just a line that reminds me so much. Uh, it comes to my mind at the moment so much about what is happening in Ukraine and reading also in Rolling Stone magazine recently about how so many people there who are involved in music and the arts uh, spoke about how their arts and culture had developed and thrived after 2014 and their fears and concerns for it now. Um, so... You know, when the culture culture can be as destroyed just as easily as buildings. And it's, it's important for us to remember that. We're going to take a break and we will come back to Athlone Little Theatre. And there are two one-act plays that are coming up very soon. Stay with us on Encore on Midlands 103. And you're welcome back to Encore with me, Claire O'Brien. And a little bit later on, I'll be bringing you some of the action from the stage at the Dean Crow Theatre, where the panto is about to start, I think, in about 11 minutes. It'll be curtain up. But there is another curtain up coming in Athlone in a week's time, and that is at Athlone Little Theatre, because they are back with a bang with two one-act plays. And I, I know this is the first time since 2020 that um, they will be back active again. Now they're very, very excited about it. The two plays are... Uh, Tell Me Another Story, Sing Me a a Song by Jean Lennox-Toddy and Wittgenstein in the West by Stephen Toomey and they run from the 6th of March, which is Monday, to the 12th. I am joined on the line by Chrissy Killian and Chrissy is one of the directors of Tell Me Another Story, Sing Me a Song with along with Dorian Holloway. You're welcome to Encore, Chrissy. Chrissy, can you hear me there? Can you hear you fine? Oh, perfect. I can indeed now, yeah. I can indeed. Tell me, um, I suppose the first thing that we should do uh, on the programme tonight is to acknowledge the that, that the loss that at the Lone Little Theatre has suffered um, in the passing of the extraordinary Mel O'Flynn. Absolutely. Mel has been our president for the last all 15, 20 years, but she's been associated with the theatre long, long before that, since way back in the 50s. She was an eternal presence there, as far as I'm concerned. But, um, Sorry now, Chrissy, uh, your, your, your line is, your, your voice is coming out somewhere that it shouldn't be, so I'm just going to see if I can move you to somewhere else and hope for the best. Can you hear me there? 
Chrissy, can you hear me on that one? Now there's something very strange going on. Um, can you hear me there, Chrissy? Yes, I can. You can, and I'm not sure why you are coming out with the wrong phone. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a quick break and I'm going to try and put that call through again. And um, we will probably be able to hear your voice properly, although Joe has come in to rescue and he might be able to see um, why we are on over there. You want to take her down there? Sorry. Okay. Joe Cooney is working his magic. Uh, Four one, there Oh, right. Okay, perfect. Thank you, Joe. Can you hear me now, Chrissy? No, I don't have you at all. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take that quick break and I will be, we'll be right back then. And you're welcome back to Encore. We're going to try and get Chrissy again there. Can you hear me, Chrissy? Yes, Claire, I can hear you. Magic. Thank you so much. The great Joe Cooney come to the rescue in the way that all great heroes do. Um, sorry uh, about that. Um, and, and sorry to have disturbed you just at the time when we were remembering the wonderful Mel we, O'Flynn. We do. We all remember Mel's poise and dignity and unsurpassable way with words because she was our president for so many years and before that she has been an eternal presence there on stage and directing in latter years. She was just uh, an inspirational character. She inspired us all to greater things, both on and off stage, and, and held us rightly to those higher values. Yeah, um, I, I, when I heard that she had passed away, I look, I went back through all of the emails that I had received over a long number of years doing the program here with uh, notes about Mel and the plays that she had chosen and I had a couple of interviews um, that I was able to listen back to of her so enthusiastically talking about plays that she had wanted to do and ones that she had kept aside for a while until the right opportunity came. Um, Incredibly enthusiastic and right to the very end she was planning her next production. At 94 she was still talking about it with the same energy and... uh, empathy. It was just amazing, absolutely amazing. Yeah. Well, our thoughts with it, with everybody who loved her and her family, and Indeed. and her friends. She would be delighted that the curtain is going back up on the the stage at the Little Theatre with two one act plays. And you and Doreen Holloway are directing. Tell me another story. Sing me a song by Jean Lennox Toddy. Tell me about it because it's not one I'm familiar with. No, it's a fairly short play. It's oh, about 20 minutes long, maybe 25 minutes. And it's literally a mother and daughter on stage. And it captured various episodes of their lives from when the daughter was 5, 8, 12, 16, 21, 31. It's just a normal exchange between a mother and a daughter. But put together, it's a very interesting and, and sweet viewpoint. And there was something about the script when I read it, it just caught me and I thought, yeah, that's that's a good one. And where do you where do you come across a play like this? Um well the DLI, that's the Drama League of mm-hmm. Ireland, have a library of plays and you can scroll through and say, Well, I want comedy and I want how many characters and they will select various plays and say, Well, they'll send them out to you and you can read them and view them and send them back again. And because of COVID, we decided that we would go with small plays with small cast so that if anything happened, we had little bubbles that we, we contained our cast and directors in, in little bubbles and it was easier to manage that way. So this was a two-hander. And um, 
yeah, we thought it fitted the bill. And Michelle Kelly and Ruth Benson are the mother and daughter. Um, tell me about Michelle. She's she's new to Athlone Little Theatre, but not new to the stage. She is new to She has some experience with backstage and has performed up there. But this is her first time with Athlone Little Theatre and we're delighted to have her. Um, she's, she plays a lovely mother and she's very, very dedicated to her craft on stage and has worked really, really hard. I mean, both Ruth and Michelle um, have full-time jobs and work hard and then tear home, change their clothes straight into rehearsals <laughs> until their eyes are falling out of their heads and do the same thing all over again tomorrow. So it's been crazy for the last four or five weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ruth, as you say, is playing the daughter and people will be familiar with Ruth if they manage to catch the outdoor theatre that you did at Lone Castle. The Lady Gregory played the um Yes, Spreading she had the a news. small part in that, yes. And she also appeared in Little Theatre previously in one or two plays. I can't really remember them off the top of my head at the moment. But she brings a great uh, humanity to the part and she's, she's a, a fine actress. We're very lucky to have her. Lucky to have both of them. Yeah. So, and lucky for you, for the pair of you to be back, uh, to be directing. I think this is Doreen's first experience um, directing, it is. is it? Yeah, Doreen has tried the boards many times and is highly involved in the administration of the theatre and uh, expressed a, a wish to direct so she said she'd sit in on it with me and, and co-direct and learn the ropes if you like and I came down with COVID and she had to take over which she did in with great competence and flair so we were very lucky to have Doreen Doreen's mother was uh, Therese Byrne who for many years uh, graced our, our stage as well and acted and directed, so uh, I think it's in the blood with Doreen. And what's it been like for you to see the play emerge from the words on the page into that 20 minutes uh, theatrical uh, experience? That's, that's the, we had a dress rehearsal last night and that's, that's the joy of it all because when you read the play you mentally envisage it and then you have a picture in your head as to how you want it to happen and I suppose things like props and sets and costumes don't come together until the very end and you work mm. so hard on the, the language and the nuances and then it all just comes together and happens and it's just a wonderful sense of satisfaction and um, pride for the people who are involved in it and, and joy that it has come together. So yes, the dress rehearsal was great. We're looking forward to our run. We're opening on Sunday night. So you are behind the, the the poignant, thoughtful 20 minutes of the the two act, the two one act event on Sunday night that's kicking off on Sunday night. The second one is Wittgenstein in the vest, so to speak. This is a Stephen Toomey play. Um, and I was listening to actually a BBC Radio 4 play or a reading. Um, Wittgenstein was a tough old boot, wasn't he? Uh, he very was. idiosyncratic and um, challenging in the way that he dealt with his students. He had a peculiar way about him. What was he like in the West? Well, he he was exactly that way in the West. I believe he went to the West of Ireland a number of occasions in 1947 and 49. And he stayed with this um, Irish couple, Dinjo and his wife, Peg Koch. And while he certainly understood the words they were saying, (laughs) I think the, the language was lost on him. And the whole comedy of the play and the the essence of the play is about this uh, total misunderstanding of language despite the complete understanding of words 
and it, it is wonderfully done with Pat Canty and um, Michael Midlone and Sinead Waterston. They, they really give it everything it deserves. And I suppose the double irony is that Wittgenstein was particularly obsessed with words and language and, and the philosophy of language and to be in a home with people that he couldn't understand even though he could figure out the words must add to the humour of that. It did because, I mean, you know the, the twists and the idiosyncrasies of Irish language and when people talk about things, you know, if, if you were having a bad day, they'd look at you and say, I think you need to get a breath of fresh air or something like that. Yeah. It doesn't, it's nothing to do with their lungs or that they need fresh <laughs> air and he took everything literally, a pinch of, of tea and a knob of butter. What on earth do they mean by a knob of butter or a pinch of tea? It just didn't make sense to him at all. He was, he may as well be in a foreign country and it's, it's, it's hilarious. It's very, very yeah. funny. And so the experience then for the audience of having both of these together must be very enjoyable. I'm hoping it will because one will give them a, a small chuckle here and there and certainly give them something to think about. And the other one will give them lots of chuckles. It's very, very funny. And at the same time, you know, it really puts them thinking about what you say and, and what exactly you mean by what you say and how you say what you mean in a convoluted way. So I think it, they're a nice combination despite okay. their total opposite in, in origins and presentations. And it's a nice, easy re-immersion into theatre for people who it may is. not have been in a theatre in the last two years. It's, it, it must be how long? 40 minutes, an hour of entertainment? It's a little over an hour between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have a short interval while we're just changed the set and then we go straight into the other one and people are welcome to maybe just stand up and walk outside if they want to. And um, if they want to wear face covering while they're in the theatre, that's fine. But it's it's a safe environment for people to come out to and we're delighted to have them come out. We've been so busy for the last few weeks. We've had three plays in parallel rehearsal because we have a third full-length play coming up the first week in April. So we've been rehearsing every hour of the day and night in the theatre and it's it's just wonderful to have it used so much. Well, the three-act people will be, have to move out from Sunday night, the 6th of March, until the 12th, which I think is Saturday night, isn't it? Um, That's right. And that the, the show is on from 8 o'clock and people can get tickets for 10 euro. Online. Uh, booking them online at athlonelittletheatre.ie. Uh, Chrissy, thanks a million for talking to us uh, and thanks for, for, for your patience with Not my technical thanks, grappling. Thanks for having us. Not Thank at all, it's a pleasure. And break all the legs on, on Sunday night. Take care. And that Thank you. is Bye-bye. that is Chrissy Killian. And uh, at LoneLittleTheatre.ie has all the details on that. Of course, it's not the only drama that is happening. Tomorrow night, Mount Melick Drama Festival kicks off with The Beauty Queen of Linan. Um, then on Saturday, it's Brighton by, sorry, Beauty Queen of Linan, the Ray Leonard players are bringing that on Saturday, Brighton by Skipperine Dramatic Society. On Sunday, Chapati by Palace Players. Monday night, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest by Mullingar Theatre Lab. Tuesday night, Rabbit Hole by Ballyduff Drama Group. Wednesday night, Little Gem by Kilrush Drama Group. Um, Thursday, Eurydice by Dockey Players. 
and Friday Night, The God of Carnage by Prosperous Dramatic Society, which is a terrific play. A lot of great plays in there. And thanks to uh, Noreen and to Jesse and to Shay, who came in a couple of weeks ago and took us through the excitement in Mount Melick at the reopening of the Drama Festival. Because, of course, having this festival means we are one step closer to having the All-Irelands um, later on in the springtime in Athlone. We're going to take a quick break and when we come back, we're going back to the buzz of the stage in Athlone and it will be at the Dean Crow Theatre where the panto has just started. Stay with us on Encore on Midlands 103. Oh eight three thirty ten one zero three is the Lamb Brothers Midlands one zero three text line. If you would like to get in touch, well, as we speak, the curtain has raised at the Dean Crow Theatre, and the panto is underway. Directed by Corey Kilduff and choreographed by Claudia O'Sullivan, it is Robin Hood, and Robin Hood and his band of merry men will have you in stitches from start to finish with Maid Marian, and there's a Maid Mavis as well. Um, the cast includes. Richard Brown, who is the man himself, Robin Hood. Georgia Kilduff is there. Nicola O'Sullivan plays um, Maid Mavis. Uh, sorry, she doesn't. Petrova Mulvey played, plays Maid Maid. I'll start that again. Petrova Mulvey plays Maid Mavis and Nicola O'Sullivan is the dastardly sheriff of Nottingham. Well, I was chatting to them earlier on and it's lovely to hear the excitement of the cast coming in and the kids rehearsing in the background. But this was Nicola telling me about, I suppose, the excitement of being back on stage. When Corey contacted us first to say that Panto was back on, there was just total excitement that we were going to get back on stage again, that we were going to be back in front of an audience again. But of course, we were all very worried because this would have been back um, in October last year and things were still, you know, fairly locked down at that stage. We were all still in masks. Um, Then we came into rehearsals and we were rehearsing in our masks, um, which was kind of unusual because with something like Panto, a lot re- relies on, on facial expression. Um, so that was kind of, of weird at the beginning. But, but again, you know, we, we adapted and we got used to it. And, you know, one, one, of the biggest, um, one of the biggest obstacles, I suppose, was a good few of us got COVID over the first few months. And then there'd be somebody missing and then there'd be some, somebody would, you know, like I got COVID in December, so I was missing for a week. And then I'd come back and someone else would go off for a week. So it was very piecemeal. And then... Everything got locked down over Christmas, so we were told that Panto was completely postponed. We were told postponed, not cancelled, but if I'm totally honest, you know, we did wonder if it was Mm -hmm. ever going to go ahead. And then, of course, we got the news that we were back, that there was was dates picked. And, um, yeah, uh, pretty much everybody was still available to do it. And we came back in, and again, you know, we were in our masks. And then the first couple of nights that we had no masks on yet, it was, it was weird, but it wasn't weird at the same time. Familiar and but different. It, it, yeah, it's been it's been like a learning curve, just getting used to being back in an environment where 
it's it's okay that you know it, you almost felt at the beginning like you were breaking all the rules mm. by taking the mask off. But you know we're we're standing here now, the three of us, and you know we don't have masks on. We're standing here in the beside the stage, and and it doesn't feel that unusual anymore. And it's and to get back in front of an audience and to see the reaction last night when you know I mean there was people there last night who haven't seen live theatre in two years. Yeah. There there were there's us on stage who haven't performed in front of an audience in two years. And it was just, it was electric. It was just, from a personal point of view, it was amazing to walk out there last night Mm. and just know that we were back, you know, giving that joy again to people. And it was, it was really lovely. And, and over the two years, um, my son, on a personal note, my own daughter has gotten to the age where she's now old enough to be in the panto. So she's on the stage with me this time, which is lovely. So it's just, yeah, it's been, it's been lovely. And it it also gave us something to focus on for the last few months, which was really good. But you also, I get the impression, missed out on what some people found very difficult, which was the dreaded, uh, the dreaded Zoom rehearsal. Yeah, we didn't have any Zoom rehearsals. Um, no, because we were able to come together at the beginning, but we were we 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 were um, social distancing at, at the beginning, and we we had got our our masks on, but we didn't have. Zoom rehearsals. You know, that, that is very difficult because I'm a, I'm a singing teacher myself and, and teaching singing or doing anything like that over Zoom is, it's it's tough. You know, that kind of stuff is, is, you just, you lose out on something that you can't even name when you're on a camera rather than in person. Yeah. But one of the things about Panto, of course, is that close togetherness, the slapstick, the messing around, yeah. the little bit of a kiss that happens, hopefully, towards the end of the play, <laughs> of the performance. And if you're socially distanced, that can be a bit of a challenge. Did you, were you conscious of that in the early days of the rehearsals? We were in the early days, but I think all of us knew when we went into this at the beginning that we were either going to put this on properly or not at all. Because it was, it would have been very difficult to try. Well, I think at that stage we felt we were coming out of it anyway. Well, then I went back a little bit, but it's like you said, when you, when you're, you know, feeding on somebody else's energy and you've got maybe a kiss coming up or a hug or you're moving in too close to somebody on purpose on stage and making them uncomfortable, which my character does a lot. Um, <laughs> then, you know, you, you have to. You have to be able to do that comfortably, knowing that the, the person, the other actor is comfortable with that too. Mm. That it's not a thing that they're going, oh, no, please don't, you know, come near me. Cause, but but I, think, I think it's kind of helped. Well, for me, it's, it's helped a lot with the fear. Yeah. It's helped with coming out of that, whole, um, of that whole lockdown period. And does it feel normal to you now? Do you feel like, oh, yeah, this is, this is how it would have been in the before times? Yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah, Fantastic. I have to say, I really, really do. Um, especially last night when we had opening night, yeah, very much felt like it was two years ago, like we were just opening and it hadn't happened. Fantastic, fantastic. And saying that when we left, you know, it wasn't quite the same <laughs> and, you know, people are walking out the audience and people still have masks on and that, but, but yeah, being on stage, it was lovely and it did feel very normal. Okay, well, you're going to put me on out to Richard Brown, I think. I will. And Richard plays the role of Robin Hood himself, um, feared by the bad and loved by the good, robbing from the rich and giving to the poor. Richard, you're welcome to Encore. Will you um, set the scene for us there in Sherwood Forest at the Dean Crow Theatre? Absolutely. So um, we're very lucky to have a great team who have created this amazing set with lighting and sound to transport us from the Dean Crow Theatre to Sherwood Forest and, of course, to Prince John's Castle. 
Um, there are two sets for our show. Um, and it's magical. There's some magical uh, characters that you meet throughout as well. Um, but something just doesn't seem to be right. There's a ruler that is taking over. And it's up to Robin Hood and the Merry Men to take back control and to save the day. So your role in that, of course, is as the great hero. How did you find that, putting on your, your tights again and, and being the man of the moment? Um, it was a little bit different. Normally I would play uh, one of the comedy duos, uh, normally in panto. So when I was given the opportunity to play uh, Robin Hood, who's well-known, um, it was a bit of a challenge, but I was kind of lucky with Corey and Claudia to help get the character across. And of course, the brilliant cast to act opposite it really helped. Okay, so it was a kind of a step up in roles for you then, was it? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And additional songs and dances, which also was a challenge too, but uh, it's great to be back doing something after two years. Okay, and, and what is it like then to be a leading man? Um, it, it's challenging in the sense of that you, there's a lot of scenes, a lot of dialogue, um, mm. but when you have got a good c- company behind you, it really helps. Okay, and on a on, kind of on a on a personal level, I suppose when when you know, when you're taking on that big step up in the roles, coming back from COVID, what what has that been like? Um, it was challenging in the sense that uh, I haven't performed in two years, mm. as our company hasn't. Um, and you feel a bit rusty when you first jump back into it. You put a mic back on and you're putting your makeup back on and costume. Um, but once you hear the audience sitting down in their seats and excited, especially young people who haven't been in the theatre for so long, and even our dancers and our chorus backstage as well, they're really excited and that gets you into the zone and ready to perform and put on the best show you can. So although it was challenging at the start, I think we're in full swing now. We're really excited to get the show on the road. Mm. What is the gist of the storyline? You say you you know, you know have the, the, the Sherwood Forest life going on as normal. The king is there in his counting house and uh, there is the arrival of somebody less than pleasant. Tell us a little bit about the, the, the storyline without obviously giving the whole plot uh, away. Oh, yeah, don't get the whole plot away, for sure. Um, so, yeah, so there's um, the Sheriff of Nottingham isn't the nicest person on the planet um, and has been working alongside um, Prince John and is there to almost uh, kind of distract from what is happening. Um, but, of course, you've got Robin Hood and Maid Marian who are there to save the day along with the Merry Men. I'm trying not to give too much away. And of course, sorry, Maid Mavis, who would actually kill me if I didn't say that Maid Mavis there as well. Um, but they're there to save the day once again. And do we have a pair of dames in this panto? We absolutely do. We've got Mumsy, uh, who is our dame um, and is causing a lot of mischief as well. Uh, we've also got Aiden and Aideen, our guards, who are there uh, keeping an eye on the villagers of Nottingham. Of, of, uh, of Nottingham, yes. <laughs> very good, very good. Um, it sounds like it's all, it's all action and the, the you know the, the dramatic highs and lows that we the people love and the the characters to get behind and the characters to shout at um, at the Dean Crow Theatre. Richard, you might put me on to the baddie herself, Nicola O'Sullivan, who plays the role of the Sheriff of Nottingham, which is. A role I imagine, Nicola, it's not one you might ever have thought you would have been taking on. Um, you know, if you were uh, well, to look to at the... the... Go on. To tell you the truth, um, this is my seventh year doing Panto. And of the seven years, I'm normally cast somewhere in the bad guy zone. <laughs> the so bad guy or the of... bad girl? It all depends. I can sort of flip to whichever I need to be. Guy, girl, it doesn't really matter. As long as I get to be the bad person... 
Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. I like it because I get to do the most interacting with the kids. Uh, it's a very interactive show. Panto is interactive, and the, yeah. the biggest joy we get in Panto is the kids reacting from the audience. So the louder I can get them to boo, the louder I can get them to shout, he's behind you, the louder we can get them to say, oh, no, it's not, the better the show actually goes because they really bring the energy. They're, they're like the other member of the cast the, they're there in the audience and they're all involved so being the bad guy is actually one of the great parts to actually play so I always enjoy when I'm when I'm cast that way but um getting to play the sheriff I have to say was a fantastic achievement tell me why well I would have grown up watching um Alan Rickman playing the sheriff in mm. Robin Hood and he would have been an absolutely amazing actor and to be told that I was going to get to be the real bad guy not just the bad guy sidekick so we've done shows <laughs> in the past say we did um Star Wars The Panto Menace where we had Darth Vader and I was his main colonel as the bad person in it as well but obviously not the main bad person so this yeah. time around I get to be the real real baddie which is, <laughs> which is great and I get to stamp around the place I get to throw people in jail I get to tell Robin Hood I'm going to execute him but of course my lovely I won't I won't give away what really happens in the no. end I don't know if it's going to be a happy ending or do we actually get to execute Robin Hood you'd have to come along and watch <laughs> it I'm afraid you mentioned the kids and how much they're enjoy you know they they enjoy that interactivity in Panto but I imagine last night in the audience there will there will have been children there who have never been to Panto because Absolutely. they wouldn't have been of an age did you feel that Oh, that overwhelming excitement of the newness and the fun and the thrill of it all. Well, you see, we're very lucky insofar as um, the way we run our panto is the, the principal line is our adults and we, we're the ones that get all the boring stuff of learning all the lines. But we have three fantastic choruses working with us who are all children, ranging from fourth class up to sixth year in school. They do all the singing, they do all the dancing, and the excitement that they bring to the stage before we ever actually get to interact with the audience is something else. Because some of them have never gotten to be on stage before. As Trova mentioned, her daughter and my own daughter actually are on the stage this year dancing and singing. And to see the enthusiasm that they have coming onto the actual stage. So we've lots of moms and dads in the audience and brothers and sisters who can't believe that they're watching their own sibling. And then we get the extra fun of interacting. And one of the, the great things that we actually do here in Athlone when we're doing Panto is when the show is over... Most of the cast are actually waiting in the front foyer when the kids are coming out of the auditorium and they actually can meet us and take a photograph or we'll check in and say, were you the ones booing? We could hear you. And you really make it a very personal thing for them so that they go away thinking that like they specifically had an interactive moment with somebody who was on the stage with them. And so does, does a night like last night and the nights that are to come, you'll be kicking mm. off now very shortly, um, does that mend, the? does it fill the gap in the heart that was there over the last while with no theatre, no the stage, no performance? Years, absolutely. The last two years for people like ourselves who, who love to get, put ourselves up on stage and be laughed at and be booed and be everything else like that, we've missed that. We've actually missed it. That That really is sort of food for the soul and that's what you want to, to to be doing sorry now you might hear a bit of music in the background our, our teenage chorus are practicing one of their dances Fantastic. just before we open the, the curtains to the 
to the audience they'll be arriving in shortly yeah. but yes it's super to be back on stage and everybody who's here from the lighting guys to the sound guys to ourselves the characters to the cast members to the stage crew everybody was so excited I actually saw a post from the lady who paints all of our scenes and the excitement that herself and her colleagues when they actually were back up on the stage painting the scenes knowing that there was going to be live audiences back in the theatre just made everybody so happy it's really it's everybody's very bright it's a very positive happy happy feel good story okay well you have 10 seconds, 20 seconds if you're lucky to tell me why, if I don't have plans for Friday or Saturday night uh, why should I be going to the Panto at the Dean Crow Theatre in Athlone? So if you don't have plans for Friday night, Saturday day, Saturday night or even Sunday matinee and you actually want to see some live theatre where we don't take ourselves seriously, you get to have lots of laughs, lots of booze and you want to actually just enjoy yourselves, then you definitely should make your way down to the Dean Crow and watch us jump around with Robin Hood and see do they get to defeat the bad guys or who actually wins. And there you go. The enthusiasm and the energy there from the crew at Dean Crow Theatre is fantastic, isn't it? I was really delighted to talk to all of them this evening, to everybody who's been involved with all of those great shows. Um, And, you know, we're so lucky to have so much good theatre happening all the way across the Midlands at the moment. We're just at the end of the show. Uh, Next week we're back with, I suppose, things that are more, a little bit more connected to culture than they are necessarily connected to... um to the arts. We should look forward to that in any case. We're going to take a little bit of music uh, to finish up and this one is a song from Keela, a band we don't hear nearly and often enough on the radio and one we'll all be looking forward to seeing live because they're phenomenal. This one is called Tina Lasta and it is from their album Lemonade and Buns. The great Joe Cooney is in the building. He will be here with the news after 8 o'clock. The best of what is happening in Irish and American country music and I'll be back Arash Amarok le mixtape nua either a shakta cos a hocht a clog be be on Liverpool okay on shock kila ihwa talk about it